Randolph Yakety Sacks on final. Captain Run on VHS. <laughs> and I think you got me Joe versus Volcano on DVD too. Night is beckoning, and we are welcoming shelter from the life-giving and taking rays of the Texas sun. I hear people say that, but I think the sun knows no borders. But here we stand on the border of episode 173. Let's enter together. Oh, wait, that's not true. Here we stand on the border of episode 174. Let's enter together and claim asylum, because that is exactly where you will be, probably after listening to the rambles and shambles of one magical hour of Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. It's hot. It's all over the news. It's no secret. Let's just, let's find another topic, folks. Let's just not talk about the heat. Obviously, tonight it's a switcheroo. I'm introducing the podcast ride or die to my left always to my left um you know him as the proprietor of the place that you go where everybody knows your name he's schaefer hall hey matthew we gotta go record the podcast welcome bird and commune in the castle Talk to y'all, Dr. Home, yo, ow. Son of a gun, gonna have big fun on the pot, too. Daddy Roo took some shrooms from Kamluo. Later on, we gonna talk to the table. Microphone, talk too long, ever go. Later on, gonna get some mail from Nicolago. Talk to y'all, Dr. Hog, yo, my Tonight we're gonna record us a Paco. Sing Alex Battles, sing Milton, sing Old Brattles. Son of a gun, gonna have big fun on the Paco. Son of a gun, gonna have big fun on the Paco. And thanks, ladies and gentlemen. That's the best thing that's ever going to happen on this podcast. We're going to sign off. This is our, our last episode. Good night. My voice didn't find the key until the very end. Well, uh, okay. Fortunately, I didn't, fortunately, that's kind of a slap happy song. I mean, so. we could redo it, but that was perfect as far as I can tell. <laughs> yeah. First thing, I love that song. We were we went to the front page after a, a zany podcast not too long ago. My, yeah, family, my family was out of town. Yeah. And um, you and Jeff were strumming 
really like str- Jeff and I have gotten to where we like actually like kind of harmonize crazy on that song. We played it together so many times. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I've always loved that song. I find that song fascinating. It is filled with words that are hard to interpret. <laughs> And uh, you really captured the spirit of that. And I think if you go back and listen, like, it's all there. I think you should publish the lyrics on our Discord or wherever the, Discord. wherever the hell we're uh, interacting with anybody, if anybody's out there. <laughs> Holy cow. I, like, I'm, I think that we should stop doing parodies now. But we're done. <laughs> it all led up to that. That was the singularity of the song parody. The singularity? On, yeah. Oh, my magical hour. That was it. I wondered why I was doing it. I was the BIOS boot up for that. The switch to Android overlords. I think singular parody is, is, is a good description for show all, title. Well, I was thinking all the sections that we've ever, all the segments we've ever done on the singularity could be called singular parodies. Singular parodies. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I really don't know where to go from here. Lucky, lucky for me, I didn't prepare anything for tonight. Uh, lucky for me, we're going to have a guest. Is that correct? Yeah. There's a rumor. Rumors and tales of a possible guest. There's no, no reason to think that uh, this rumor is not true. Okay, good. Um, Who is it? It's another person I've never met. Jason Edla. Jason Edla. Great friend of the cast. Yeah. Uh, he's... Lindsay's husband, Tom's best friend. Oh, Tom McGillick's best Tom friend. Tom McGillick's best friend. But okay. Also, he's good friends with Ellen Ferguson, too. And, of course, he knows Ellen. Was, yeah. It's it's really Ellen over there leading the charge, right? With yeah. The Pennsylvania crew. We all... Jason, Lindsay, Tom, Porter, and I all got really close like there in our last couple of years and well, I've been close with Tom and Lindsay for the better part of, you know, 10 years, but the five of us all got really close. We spent a lot of time together there in the very last few years before I moved back here. Could you have done a sitcom together? Yeah, we definitely could have. A New York sitcom? Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to talking to Jason. Uh, in the meantime, let's do a little podcasting. Um, you. I wanted to revisit. I you know you have I'm all sure, the answers this evening. I'm sure everyone is sick of this, but I just I noticed a weird phenomenon, and I wanted to kind of unpack it a little bit. Just make note of it, you know, as as culturally indicative of America right now. <laughs> I feel like there was. I heard from. What I thought was a surprising number of people who, about that whole submarine thing, were like, oh, those are stupid, idiot billionaires, and I don't care about them at all. It really brought out the eat the rich vibe in everybody. Which to me, I think maybe is like, you know, that's this is probably something that the rich should take note of, you know? Like, obviously, like, a vast part of the world is celebrating their death, you know? That's. It might be time to to think about a few things. Think about maybe some. You think this is going to make the rich review? Well, I'm just saying if you if you want to, <coughs> we're talking about if you want to look at milestones and consider history, which I realize billionaires probably don't bother. They don't care. Um, they think they're safe behind their 
behind their castles. They're safe in their castles. Castles of money. And they kind of are, yeah. right? No, that's that's a total illusion on their Is parts. It? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. It reminds me of Bill Gates getting a pie in the face. Oh man. It doesn't matter how much money or how many guns you have, if the if the masses are against you, you're gonna get dragged through the mud. I wish that we could unify like that, the masses that is, but well, no, I, I mean, it's, I, it's not a matter of us doing anything organized. It's a matter of everybody getting so angry that riots start. The final and mob mentality. Things. And then there's not going to be any trial, rich people. You're not going to be, there's there's just going to be people dragging you out of your houses and cutting your heads off. You know, there's a lot on the That's Simpsons history, guys. about mob mentality. And it's, unless, you know, unless somebody takes a look at the world and, you know, maybe re- remembers the teachings of some great men in the past. From, you know, your Jesuses to your Albert Einsteins to your Martin Luther Kings Juniors to your Karl Marxes, maybe. Are you right now calling for the ultra wealthy to sort of share with their, to consider their the resources fact, with the world? To consider the fact that resources are limited for everybody. And, and maybe uh, you're one of those prophets, sir. <laughs> Don't get me started. I'm, Maybe that's what this podcast Matthew, is Matthew, I'm about. like, I'm one night of heavy drinking away from developing some sort of a Jesus God complex. So don't don't encourage it, Matthew. I Listen, I started a podcast with you. I'm like... Uh, I'm one weird mushroom trip who, away from deciding that I'm Jesus. Done. Who's Jesus' best buddy? <laughs> who, who would Jesus podcast with? It's Simon Peter, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Peter. It's, it's Peter. You are the rock upon which I build my podcast. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm an instigator. I'm a well-wisher <laughs> in that I don't wish you any particular harm. Uh, and hey, listen, I don't wish the billionaires any particular harm. I'm like a large swath of... I'm like a lot of people the on American Twitter. People right now. Yeah. Anyway, I've, I thought it was curious. Like I, People who I otherwise consider to be very nice, very uh, mild-mannered people were suggesting that being crushed under the weight of 4,000 feet of water was not too good for I got, billionaires I, these I, days. I got pretty callous right away, man. I, I got to say, I didn't get terribly... I didn't get terribly emotionally involved in that. Well, it's recorded in the previous podcast. I, I think that Incredible. there's always these stories that are like... These, these little stories keeping our minds off of like something possibly more important. You mean, like, what's going on in Russia and the Ukraine right now? Wait, but one more thing about this. A lot of people were asking, uh, what what does it take to get, like, the Coast Guard to, like, get called out to find you? You know, that was another aspect of the story is that there's these vast governmental resources that go into these, like, search and rescue operations. And does they bill somebody for that? Does anybody pay the, does anybody foot the bill for that except the taxpayer? I don't know. I don't, I don't really know either. I don't. Just to, you know, get everybody more excited about that story. I want to bring that aspect up. (laughs) But, um, yeah, yeah, that was weird, Shafe. Everybody was pretty... uh, Okay, let's go on. You had the perfect segue and I really... Continuing on with news... News is this a news cruise? I we're on I a little like, bit of a news cruise. I feel like we didn't like just the most, bad, you know? most bizarre, uh, heart wrenching, terrifying news that seems to keep coming up. 
the other night, Friday night, I woke up in the middle of the night, three in the morning or something. And I read that a paramilitary organization called the Wagner Group had set its sights on Moscow and was storming the city of Moscow. That Putin had gone into hiding. And that what's the name of the guy? Is he a Belarusian or something? No, he's a Russian. His name is Yevgeny. Oh, wait. Korsky. No, let me let me say it right because I was practicing it before the show. Prigozhin. <clears throat> Yevgeny Prigozhin. Yevgeny Prigozhin. Yevgeny Prigozhin. The leader of the Wagner Group. Now you did you did hear that the Wagner Group were a big part of the fight. Yeah. Or, yeah. No. Well, see. Okay. You, you were aware. Just, you were aware of them line. already, right? No, I didn't. I had oh, never I heard of the Wagner. Group. I see. Maybe I just saw this, and I, 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 I went back to sleep, and the next day, I, I thought that I had dreamed it. I was, I was. Like, <laughs> I realized, you know, I guess the the Wagner Group is probably named after some contemporary guy named. Wagner, who fum, who's, or are they actually think, named I after think the? They're named after the German, the, the German opera composer. <laughs> no. Maybe I don't. I'm not exactly sure on that. That is. Do you understand how bananas that is? Anyway, I mean, their existence and their participation in the Ukraine war to me is, has been very interesting because they are like this pretty large mercenary force. Yeah, like twenty five thousand guys. Well, apparently, yeah. Apparently, the Russian army had been very dependent on them. Yeah, and they then, had. And then somebody didn't. Somebody didn't. Forgot to sign the paychecks or something. <laughs> I mean, so part of this makes sense that like they've they're on the front lines. They see the war's not going great. They head for Moscow. But the way this played out in the news, this feels like totally and completely orchestrated by the Kremlin. It was it was an uprising that went so far, and then there were these negotiations that he would, if he left Russia, he would re- receive receive asylum, and and then his also is true. There was a deal with the troops that they would also, and now they're now they're talking about well he's gone, and so now they're Russia's in the process of trying to absorb all these troops into the military and <laughs> you already know way more about it than I do. I, okay. Yeah, I I mean I've When I've I woke up Saturday morning, I was one hundred percent convinced that I had dreamed this bizarre story. And when I found out that I hadn't and I was just Well they got to a city that's you know they were on their way from the Ukraine to Moscow in this convoy, but then the convoy like turned around and then there's, but there's been different stories in the news about the first story was they were going to depose Putin. Yeah. And then after there was this deal done, they said, well, we were just going to protest. And I, who knows what of this is the manipulation of our news. Of course I'm using the BBC like mm-hmm. always. And then the manipulation of the, the Ukraine, of, of the Kremlin and their uh, war machine. I mean, which we're finding is not so great. This doesn't make Putin and his regime look very good. It doesn't, if unless, <laughs> if if there's a kernel of truth to any of this, then yes, it makes them look bad. But I, but it also sort of looks like a um just total theater like 
Prigozhin was not agreeing with Putin, and this was a way for him to be uh, put aside. Now he's in in hiding in Belarus. Hearing you talk about it just makes it all sound a lot more normal. Like, of course, in my crazy imagination, <laughs> it was this was like a <clears throat> not too distant sci-fi apocalypse movie. You know, I'm operating under my usual news algorithm which is how does this story want to make me afraid and how does the story make me want to buy something yeah and that's what i do with the news but yeah i'm sorry i we should have talked about this before but i i have been deep in this story um well i like i like your take on it. i will it buy a was, ticket uh, to the wagner group movie whenever it comes to, out today's news about it was oh, he looks straight out of a james bond movie yeah it's ridiculous Matthew. that's why i think it's all theater <laughs> Um, today's news was that, or maybe this was one day ago, this was yesterday, uh, Prigozhin soldiers rage while others cry conspiracy. What? I mean, Evgeny Prigozhin may have boasted. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. He he had the loyalty of all 25,000 members of his mercenary army, but it seems that may have shifted as quickly as the Wagner Group's rebellion petered out. To me, it, it feels like a little bit of just like Putin, like getting rid of this guy and letting him save face. I love that at the BBC they used the phrase "petered out" in their lead paragraph. <laughs> well, that's what it. That's what that's happened. Wonderful. Petered out, just like I'm the it Peter petered to out your somewhere Jesus. south of St. Petersburg. Yeah. Um, anyway. uh, <laughs> anyway. uh, thank you so much for clearing that up. I'm afraid this is boring for our listeners, but. Uh, I hope that it's enlightening for our listeners. Uh, what was our next? Uh... Ellen Ferguson got at us. Oh yeah, Ellen Ferguson got at us. Can you? Can you? Man, she's like an angel. Matthew, what does it mean, and why do we say it? Widom Wittis. Uh, what does it mean, what? and why do we say it, Shaping? Widom Wittis. If I were to say to you the word. Spuddle, as in, Matthew, I feel like you've been spuddling a lot lately, and we really need to get this podcast edited. Uh, You got me here, Schiff. I've never heard of the word spuddle. You know what what it reminds me of right away is the word spuddum, which is like... When you when you hock up mucus, <laughs> spuddle. Am I saying it right? Yeah, it seems just to mean a few different. Can you get a uh, one of those internet robots to tell us how to say it? Uh, I was just looking for it. I don't see. Spuddle. Spuddle is. To work feebly and ineffectively because your mind is elsewhere or you haven't quite woken up yet. Oh. Man, why don't we use that word all the time? Don't spuddle around. Just get on with it. I certainly have done plenty of spuddling in my day. What's the uh, entomology of that? Did I say that right? It's from the 17th. Or is it the etymology? Was I confusing that with the study of insects? I can't find a... The computer saying it anywhere. Um, Spuddle. It's a bl- it's a 
It's a blend of spud and puddle. Oh, right. Is that like... Spud, a verb, is to dig with a spade. A David Spud? Spuddling. David Spud. I just got that. That's funny. <laughs> well, I'm upset that I can't find the computer saying it, but it's not like we don't know how to say it. Spud. Yeah, Spuddle. Boy, I'll try I, to... we really have got to insert that into everyday Spuddle. life here in Austin. Spuddle. I would like that to become the, like the hottest word on everybody's lips. Yeah, that's... I... Every morning you should hear that at the coffee shop. Ellen Ferguson slid into my DMs to lay that word on us, and uh, I immediately texted back. I said, I am a wanton spuddler. <laughs> yeah. I mean, doesn't everybody struggle with the spuddle? Every... <laughs> right. I know they do spuddle. Okay, we are late to call our friend Jason, so let's call okay, him. Okay, we're calling Jason. Man, I get real nervous in, in these situations. You got to get him right over here. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Yes. It's our good buddy, Jason. Hey, what's up? Welcome to One Magical Hour, episode 100, 174, you know, when I thought that it would... When Matthew was doing the intro, he said 173, and I was like, I thought it was 174, but there's no way that I've got it right. I said it uh, wrong. But then he yeah. stopped, and he said... Hi, Jason. Hey, Matthew. I'm I'm excited to meet a new person on my podcast. Well, you guys yeah. you guys I briefly met on Memorial Day weekend. Right, <laughs> yes. Well, we were, we were at the same party on Memorial Day weekend, but I, and we briefly chatted, but... I feel like this is more of a formal introduction. Yeah, I mean, I had to, I had to go back and listen to that to remember exactly <laughs> what happened when I went down. Me too. That day started with, with Tom asking me if I wanted some wine. And then I looked at my watch and I said, uh, oh, you know, well, it is 4 p.m. And then he said, yes, I know, silly question. And then I remembered, oh, his parents are here. And then I looked at his parents. And wondered if, like, you know, because we weren't doing it in a winking way. We were so dry with it that I wonder if they were concerned, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I think they were probably just glad that you waited till four. Yeah, I I think so. There's certainly been times when we've started earlier than that. Yeah, so that's how the day started. And then it ended with with the fire pit watching a Luna Moth try to kill itself. Continuously, as Tom tried to save it from a fire. <laughs> it's very dramatic. Wait, wait, who was trying to kill himself? A moth. Oh, a moth. Yeah, there was a, there was a big Luna moth. Like, oh, than oh a Luna had. moth, okay. <laughs> and and Tom was trying to save him. Tom was yeah, upset. Tom was, <laughs> <laughs> it would just keep coming back until it finally fell right in the middle. Mm. <laughs> well, what a way to go. And that ended the party? 
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that was like the, you have to go. You have to go tell everyone what you saw, like a little kid, you know, if you're in that mood. <laughs> did you know, Jason? Did you know that in the original screenplay for the movie Sliver, uh, they were uh, the everyone's favorite movie Sliver, the William Baldwin character and the. Uh, I, I guess it's a Sharon Stone character. We're supposed to fly a helicopter together into a volcano. To end the movie, or would they would they jump out like the uh, the Joe the volcano? No, I think it was they were supposed to. It was supposed to be the ultimate in erotic uh, in erotic danger. I think uh, that's. I've been listening to. The You Must Remember This podcast, and they're doing erotic 90s. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say that, because they brought that up on the podcast, like, on, uh, on how this kid made. They were they're talking about how, like, that era is, is gone now, and we'll never see movies like that again. Like, yeah. The Basic Instincts and Jade. Remember, remember all of those? Like, yeah. Like, they, won't let, they won't let Joe Esterhaas write movies anymore. Just there's no audience for it. Like there's just it seems like there's very few rated R movies in general. Everything is like pushing the PG thirteen. Yeah, unless it's like <laughs> Ryan Reynolds dropped too many F bombs in Deadpool, then it's R. Yeah, that was a selling point for them though. That, uh, <laughs> they could claim to be a rated R movie that could make a lot of money. There's still like um torture horror movies being made, right? Aren't, aren't the horror movies the only ones that are I like guess. R? Like, there's no, there's no real R comedies for sure, right? Yeah, and yeah, then, I, guess, I guess the comedies have become raunchier, or I don't know, but uh, or maybe not. Not since like American Pie days. Well, yeah, and the well, there was the Judd Apatow, like the forty-year-old version Paul Rudd movies, but the sun is kind of set on them too. It seems. Yeah, I mean, I see, like, I don't know, there's, like, a lot of movies that I'm watching now, which I kind of want to recommend to people, but then you're like, oh, there's that one thing that will really, really, really upset them and ruin their <laughs> lives, you know? Like, just, there was a bunch of stuff, too, that I was going to recommend to you, Schaefer, and then, like, I was like, oh, Schaefer doesn't like to see things happen to children, and that's, like, yeah, not, yeah, you don't want to see this. There's, there's always something that'll trigger someone, isn't there? Yeah, even sometimes when it's like a slow character movie, but there'll just be like one thing that I was so traumatic. I think on one of the other podcasts recently, I mentioned the movie Whispers in the Dark. Was this on your radar? Yeah, actually, that's what made me think too about these movies that are not getting made anymore. <laughs> yeah, that was that was in that category. It was definitely definitely supposed to be a you know to. Make money off of the uh, hand that rocks the cradle, sleeping with the enemy, uh, fatal attraction sort of genre. But yeah, but the, it, I really just like Joe Esterhaus in particular. It seems like his fall is so dramatic. So wait, um, th what movies did that guy make? He wrote. Basic Instinct, 
and Jade. And did he write Fatal Attraction? Um, I don't know. I, I guess him and the, the guy, the director guy, I feel like they worked together a lot, right? Yeah, like, Paul Verhoeven. Yeah. And what was his fall about? Well, he kind of Hollywood just realized, like, based on, like, because of Fatal Attraction and, uh, Basic Instinct, they, uh, they gave him, they started paying him a ton of money. He became the highest paid screenwriter in Hollywood. They were, like, paying $2 million for, like, first drafts of his. But then they sort of realized that he could only write these movies where these horrible dudes do horrible things and there's some really problematic messages about sex. Right. Well, Showgirls ended up being that's that's the funny thing. Showgirls is what buried him because uh, it was such a fantastic uh, critical failure. But that ended up making a ton of money on DVD. That is, that made more money than any other single movie on DVD. Uh, I think ever. Uh, so that's that was kind of funny, but because of the total critical failing, that's what that's when he fell from grace. Yeah, because at the exact same time, another movie was released called Jade. I, I don't know this movie with David Caruso <laughs> and Linda Fiorentino. That was also like that destroyed David Caruso's career. <laughs> Linda Fiorentino's career never really recovered from it either. And uh, yeah, Jeff Palmentieri's in it, and. Uh... There's a lot of people that you recognize that kept showing up in movies that may have not been big names, you know, but... Karima... It, it, was, it was one of his... They predict a lot. Didn't he leave NYPD Blue for this movie? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Karima Longworth was funny. She was talking about... In the first episode of South Park, uh, they have a joke. It was like, they're trying to get... Stan's trying to get his little brother to jump off the roof, and he says, do your impression of David Caruso's career. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But uh, Karima Longworth on the You Must Remember This podcast was kind of talking about how w if you go back and look at them all, Showgirls is actually, it's the playful one, it's the fun one, it's the one that actually ends up treating women the best of them all, uh, you know, and when you, when you actually consider what it's saying about everything, uh, it kind of comes out the, the best. And then, of course, like, it had a... It, it, it had a huge, it was meant to be, it was Paul Verhoeven's take on the, the classic, like, big budget studio musical film from, like, the 50s. Right. Like, the big over-the-top sets and all that stuff, dance numbers. So, it ended up hugely popular in the drag community. So, that movie found, like, found a way long after it's uh, getting totally torn apart by critics who uh, were kind of having trouble looking at the big picture. Uh, and then... Uh, and then yeah, now there's definitely been a, a turn. Like, now people are kind of saying, like, give it a second chance. And, and if you it's watch really, it... It's really yeah. just all about Eve or, you know, one of those kind of movies. Yeah. I, just, I only saw it, I think, like, when it came out. And, like, I think I was in college and just my whole floor, like... Went to go see it. <laughs> it was just like such a, a big deal, you know. 
I saw it about 10 years ago, or five, five, five to 10 years ago. I've seen it what I would call recently and found it very charming and funny and amusing and, and entertaining. Okay. Huh. Um, I did not see it when it came out in the theater. I know that uh, I worked at Winchester Twin Movie Theater the summer after it came out. Um, and the the workers there had horror stories of cleaning up after a showing of showgirls. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Turn into like a Pee Wee Herman thing there. Okay. Let's, wait. Hold on. Let's rewind this a little bit because you two just jumped right into talking about movies. I want to get a little baseline uh, from Jason. Jason, I got to ask you the question that I ask everybody that I meet here on my podcast that knows Schaefer personally. Jason, do you remember when you first met Schaefer? Yeah, you know, I get asked that a lot, and then, like, I never get to answer. Someone will jump in and say, like, of course he's a liar. That's where everybody met, and that's usually, like, the end of the story, but that's not true. Like, we met before that, because I grew up with Tom in New York, and Tom met Schaefer, and they became roommates. So this was probably, I don't know, maybe maybe two years before Liar, or a year before Liar. Mm. And, uh, because Schaefer used to work at, uh, what was the name of that place in Dumbo? That was the bar. Pedro's. Yeah, Pedro's. Because I remember I used to come see you there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a cool little, like, basement bar there where I think when you started working there, you started having, like, bands play and people, like, do readings there and things like that. Yeah. Right? We uh we booked some booked some events there, yeah. So that that was a funny, weird little situation, wasn't it? Yeah, that was uh you kinda made that place into something for a little while. That was that was pretty cool. Uh yeah, so I was definitely I was thinking about this today because I knew Matthew was gonna ask the question. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we met at one sixty Driggs. Cause, you know, we threw a few after Tom moved in, we threw a few house parties there. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this too. I I think actually once Tom invited me out with you guys, and that was the first time I met you probably at a bar in Brooklyn. Yes. Okay. And now I'm yeah. Now I'm getting it. Yeah. I do. I don't know if you remember this. And during at one point, you really wanted to dance, and you just got up and you started dancing, and then you <laughs> took a chair, and then you started you started dancing with the chair like you had a dance partner, and you were like dipping it and like. Spinning it and throwing it up in the air. So that would have been a union pool, probably? Uh, no, I don't think... Oh, wait, maybe, maybe. I think so, yeah. And I, <laughs> like, the girls who I took the chair from, like, the table... Like, I ended up dating one of those girls for a little while. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait, did you know them before the chair? No, I didn't, no. Through the chair. They were, uh, they were like somebody sitting there. They were so knocked over by the chair dance that, uh, that's it for you now, buddy. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah, I just, I just remember, I think, you know, just looking at Tom, be like, okay, well, this is your life now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is the next chapter. You got to be careful who you associate with, you know what I mean? Well, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's, you know, that was pretty much the gist of what I was saying. Like, this is going to be interesting. Whatever happens to you here, you know, <laughs> good luck. It's very interesting. Yeah. Every now well, and then. Jason, Jason, you grew up in New York? Yeah, I grew up in Rockland County, which is like the suburbs 
across from the city. Okay. That's fascinating to me. I don't, yeah, I, was, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't. Bronx. I don't know from that. You know. So yeah, I was born in the Bronx, and then as a little kid, I moved to the suburbs. Wow. Uh, I went to college in Illinois, and I came back. To you New went York. to college in Illinois. Yeah. Was that difficult? I, was that difficult? What leaving New York? No, uh, going, no, college. being in being in Illinois. Wait, what? What part of Illinois? I went to the University of Illinois, which is at, at Urbana Champaign. Okay, but that must like have, it like, must have seemed pretty country bumpkin to you, right? It's like yeah, it's like equally distant from the major cities, like equal two hour drive from all the major cities. But it's yeah, it's so big that it takes up two towns. I see. It's kind of I guess it's kind of like Bryan College Station here. I see. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that that helps me sort of get a frame of reference for you. I don't. That's, mean, yeah. I that's, don't mean to pry. I don't know much about that part of your life, Jason. That seems very interesting to me. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, what did you study over there? At the I fighting studied, line. I studied engineering. Yeah, I was a computer engineering major. I see. That's what I should have done. The uh, the county Rockland County, where they're from, that is kind of immortalized. By the movie Copland, <laughs> they called Rockland. They started calling it Copland because all of the all of the police in the New York City area, they all when they would get married, they would move up there, and oh. so there was the suburb where everybody there was either an Irish or an Italian cop, oh. right. and they kind of they kind of ran the place on their own. On their own terms, you know what I mean. Do you come from a cop family, Jason? <laughs> no, I do not. I come from a, I come from an immigrant family. Okay, okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, I mean, there, this is kind of this town kind of has a reputation of where like the cops have no work to do but make the most money. Like they make, they have like some of the highest salaries out here. Huh. The uh, they're they're well organized. I don't think I like. I don't like the sound of Copland. I don't think I want to go there. <laughs> I'm holding. So I don't want to go there. You know, I didn't know that was a connection, Shane. Right? I thought that it was filmed here or something or whatever. I didn't know that that there was. I didn't watch Copland. That was like that the big flop with like yeah, Sly Stallone and Stallone. Uh, yeah, Stallone trying to be serious, right? And what's the kid's name? Uh. uh no, not the not the Bronx Kid. No, uh, dang it! Yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't. Yeah, think, uh, listen, Jason. Uh, you're right. Schaefer, Schaefer says that you're a movie expert. Is this true? I'm a movie fan. You're a movie I'm fan. A movie okay. Expert. So what? What? What do movies? What do movies mean to you? Like, what's your connection with movies? This is a stupid question. Everybody loves <laughs> yeah, movies. I'm, pretty, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you might have. No, you know, you know what? I think I think it's weird that it was sometimes I've asked people and they say like I think I've seen all movies. You know, like not knowing how big the world is of movies. Right. I just I just got I just got movie. You know, movie the streaming service. I had that for a little while, and like when you go and open that and just see like pages and pages of like movies from across the world, and you've never heard of anything like. You will be humbled. You're just like, what? And you like click on something and it says like, this is, you know, 
the third wave of Hungarian neo noir. You're like third wave. It's got to have like huge libraries, you know, and it's like it never ends. And you can you can really do whatever you want with it. It's just that if you think if you think it's just the stuff that you see, you know, here on the like you know on the chart, that's that's what a movies are. Like you, you're kind of missing out, you know. Yeah. So, do you, have, do you still have movie, Jameson? I'm, uh, Jason, I've been wondering about that. Yeah, like, I did I did a trial, and I spent, like, most of the time just, like, making a watch list, and, like, I said, just, like, read these scriptures, trying to figure out what these things were, and then at the end, as it about to expire, I, like, spent two weeks of just, like, watching everything I could, and then, like, they got me to come back, you know, like, it, it was, it was good stuff. I mean, I started with, you know, um, have you heard the movie Decision to Leave? No. This is like a Korean movie by the guy who made Old Boy. Yeah. So like I've never seen Old Boy, I've never seen any of this stuff. But this is not like like those kind of movies. Like those are kind of like edgy and more violent and whatever. This is just kind of like a it's just kind of like a, a like a noir movie. It's it's kind of a noir romance actually, you know? And it's just like they really trust the audience to follow you them. You know, like there's a different like, because it, it would be very confusing, you know, and maybe subtitles too have a little to do with it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it's just impressive how, like, they keep you engaged because they're not, they're not doing cliche after cliche, you know, like, and because this has a lot to do with crimes and mysteries and things like that, like, as they put together evidence, you kind of have to, they don't tell you what everything means, there's not a lot of exposition, you know? Yeah. I think, yeah, that's so part of the, the noir genre is like that kind of in general. Like, yeah, they'll usually just hand wave a lot of stuff, like, uh, like the big sleep or Chinatown, even. Yeah, you like, they're like, who, who did what? We don't even know. It, like, yeah, it's Chinatown, Jake. But, but yeah, I mean, it goes, it goes every way, too, because, like, even just take like small independent movies, like, there's this whole complete genre where there's like big name, small time directors, you know. And, like, there's just a whole world there. And it's just, you know, I'm just surprised more people are not, like, interested, just curiosity-wise, to just kind of see it, you know, spend a, an hour and a half or so. Uh, yeah, I'm really interested by just, like, how many movies there are on that particular service that I've just never even heard of, you know. Uh, to that point, I was messing around on Amazon the other day, and I found a movie that I couldn't believe I had never heard of. Uh, and now I can't think of the name of it. I found a movie from like 1996 starring Brendan Fraser. And he plays a <laughs> street performer in San Antonio, Texas, who apparently the men in his family genetically pass on a thing where they they find the woman of their their love of their lives in dreams, and so oh yeah, that's uh, genetic for sure. He starts, uh, <laughs> Brendan Fraser. So like, yeah, so think of this, like, like he's a street performer. First thing, a street performer in San in San Antonio, Texas. Where where is, does that happen? I I no like the, yeah the movie starts with him like. 
like playing a the river walk, playing a French horn in front of the Alamo or wow, something okay. like that. Okay. It is so bizarre and so but like I was like, where, where is this in his career? Is this like the downturn? Is this like after no, 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 ninety six. He's like so he's like on top. It should be yeah, yeah, more or less at the top. Um, but when I watched the movie, it quickly became clear why I'd never heard of it. That movie was terrible. Um. So, and in fact, I am, I am glad looking back, especially in the 90s, that people tried, you know, like, yeah, even big names, <laughs> they, they tried stuff, yeah, yeah, because it cost less, you know, everything wasn't like an enormous <laughs> commitment, you know, they could just like try it, and if it failed, it maybe a lot of people didn't see it, you know, you just go on. People uh, are kind of tracking you now, too, you know, like. They just kind of want to put the stamp of failure on you, and then, like, but that's not how anything should be, you know? Like, you can put out a bad album, people shouldn't, like, turn their back on you, you know? No, yeah, there's always, yeah, you can... uh, Especially if you just try something. Yeah, every every band's got their tusk. Um, And, in fact, I love the album Tusk. Tusk is the best. As, uh... God. Or, uh... Or Bob Dylan's self-portrait. I love that record too. Um, and those, yeah, those are the ones that people turn their backs on. Yeah, I mean, I, I got into Fleetwood Mac. I guess, like you know, I remember them as a kid, so I just kind of hated them as like old people music, maybe. But yeah. but uh, like come back now, it just doesn't even sound weird. You know, it sounds kind of like where they were going. Yeah. And, and all the stuff that people like went nuts over, you're like, it's like not there's like one keyboard in this that made you burn this album, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, so you look, you Schaefer pulled up the cast of Copland over here. Were you trying to Which answer, is pretty astounding. Were you trying to answer a question? The guy that I was trying to think of is Michael Rappaport. It it is pretty astounding this the cast of this movie. Can, let me just oh, you, let me was, let, let me just let me just rattle yeah, it off here. The kid. So what happens is a kid accidentally kills somebody, and the cops cover it up because he's the son of a cop. And the, so the Michael Rapaport is the kid who commits the crime. Oh, you know what? I remember seeing trailers for that. I I never saw it though. But I mean, okay, here it is: Annabella Shiora, Ray Liotta. Harvey Keitel, Janine Garofalo, Sylvester Stallone, Robert Patrick, Debbie Harry, Michael Rappaport, Robert De Niro, Noah Emmerich, Method Man, Kathy Moriarty, Edie Falco, the entire cast of Sopranos. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it had some names, this flick. Yeah. But it was the yeah, same, it, was, it was a bomb. It was supposed to be like this Sylvester Stallone's what, what's the, Academy Award winner. Oh, but uh, Rotten Tomatoes kind of flopped seventy five percent. Is that, is that I good like for I Rotten Tomatoes? I, well, I don't, I don't know. know. I have no well, idea. But those reviews are probably recent reviews. Yeah. So. It, it didn't get a horrible review. I just remember people being lukewarm on it. People are just kind of like, oh, well, it was kind of boring. I think it was it was its only real sin. Well, I definitely. I saw it in the theater. I don't want to. Re- you, you know what I've learned is that a lot of old movies were kind of boring. I'm Jason. I'm trying to show my kids some old movies. They yeah. they put um they put 
uh, all of the Indiana Jones on Disney Plus, and they were like, "Oh, Indiana Jones," and they were like, oh, "Raiders of the Lost Ark," and I was like, "I think that's a rated R movie." And they were like, no, no, look, it says it's PG. And I was yeah. like, okay. And we sat down and started watching it. And um, Alfred Molina plays this, like, guy who's helping him get to the idol in the first scene. And he, like, yeah. you know, he takes the idol. And, and then the next thing you know, he, that one of the booby traps, like, skewers him through the face. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and then, like, everybody's getting shot. And there's blow darts. And, and there's... There's the the scene in the Mongolian bar, or the Nepalese bar, where she's yeah, you know, and the and the, the guy gets awesome. his, guy gets his hand singed, and one of the sh- one of the actual bits of violence is like you see a bullet in the head, and the blood comes out. I mean, and that like, doesn't even get to the nasty so face we just we, we yeah. Well, I had already told them <laughs> they, they were yeah. Well, they were like, why is it rated that? And I was like, well, at the end, the Nazis get um. But we watched like, I don't know, 40 minutes of it. And then it was kind of bedtime. So we turned it off, which we do a lot. We break movies up. And then both of them were independently. The both of them were like, nah, I don't really think I want to continue with that movie. That is but, so true. And I got to say, my daughter, uh, and, and I, well, this is a problem with kids in general. They're, they're being raised on YouTube, which has their, it has their attention span down at this infinitesimal point. And an old movie like unfolds slowly. The plot yeah. of the story yeah. unfolds slowly, and they, they it makes them very uncomfortable. So. Have you tried? Uh, have you tried to show them any uh, any Marx Brothers? No, no. You should no. see if uh, we're not quite that. Nice I, I, you stuff, know, I, I would say something like like Buster Keaton. Like if you just got bored and stuff. I mean, I mean, it, it'll work. I tried it with my nieces. But like some of the some of the, the Buster Keith stuff, or even the Charlie Chaplin stuff, but like some of these enormous stunts that are done for real, where like houses are falling on them, and like they're simulating a, a, a hurricane, so he's being like blown off his feet and bouncing off stuff. Like some of that stuff is incredible. Although I, I didn't see him impressed, so I guess it's not. It didn't work. Well, I mean, is it is it is the action fast and furious? Like I don't I don't think they could handle it. Yeah, you know what? I think it's not even like what happens. I think it's just that the pacing is different and like how many cuts there are. Mm. This is something I noticed a lot because I just thought another thing too about even like uh, Raise the Lost Ark. Like, there, these shots are so long because like Spielberg is kind of master of moving, of blocking and moving people around mm. and moving the camera around without making it a big deal, you know? So, like, if a guy, you know, the, the scene where his friend comes in and sees him and then. Indy lets him in, and then they talk, and then they move to different rooms, and they open up a suitcase, and whatever. And like, it's all one shot, you know. Like, it doesn't switch when to where we're talking. It doesn't go to coverage, and you're just like, I wonder if that makes it boring, you know? It's like the, the well, I can makes them. I definitely, you know? I can definitely confirm that the the whole style of YouTube is there's a cut every fifteen frames. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They cut in like word in between words of a sentence in this way that like it's like different sides of their face while they're saying a sentence. Like yes, it's pretty insane. Like it, there's a, there a lot of times they're watching something on YouTube that I actually think has value, but the editing is so frenetic, I can't stand it. We're into a period of like you can watch TV, but you can't watch YouTube. You can watch a narrative show. Or you can watch 
a, a, a live sporting event or, you know, like there are things you can watch, but you cannot sit down and watch an infomercial guised as a YouTube channel that's going to make you want to buy a bunch of shit. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's, too, it's too late. You can't fight it. You know? It's like, unbelievable. The world's, the world's greatest minds and computer minds have come together to create this thing. You know, like yeah. it, it's doing things that you don't even know like it's doing, you know, in order to keep your attention. Yeah, like, it's great. It's great. But it's something I think about a lot is how to get, like, there's so much stuff that I like, and it's only because I've kind of trained, I have to really train my attention span, you know, in, in order to, like, appreciate stuff. Sure. You know, and I just, like, yes. I, it's, it's hard enough even with adults. I don't even know how you do it with kids, you know? Like, I guess you have to start off with a bang in some way and then kind of, like. Well, we're going to move off the grid is what we're going to do. I have no choice. I got. I got to figure out how to just get us out into the country and just surviving off the land. I think that's that's the only way that you can show a kid what the world is really about these days. I don't know. Maybe that's a little extreme, but when we talk about it like that, I just want to get them away from YouTube. But then I had another friend who was saying, you know, oh, this is what their lives are going to be, and like they're actually learning a shit ton on YouTube. Blah blah blah. Or, yeah, I, you know what? I think those are two different things. You know, I think YouTube is really good for a lot of things, but I think you need this other time to de- to like train your attention span. Kinda, you know, like because you, you know, I take you know, if I have like family and kids, and I say like, let's go sit outside. It's just a torture for them. You know, you kind of have to give them something. I'm like, I'm like, wait, see how many different birds there are here. Look how many different whatever. You know, and like. That barely works, but I don't know. I don't have many ideas. Right. No one does, I guess. Man, I'll tell you, even with my nephew, like, even when it's time to read books, you know, we've turned the TV off. I argue with him, like, he'll come back with, you know, I'll be like, pick a book for you for us to read. And he'll come back with, like, a something that's like a half Lego comic, half toy catalog. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I can't, I can't read this. First of all, the type's all too small for me to read. But also, come back with something. I said, pick something with a narrative. Yeah. <laughs> He's actually learned what that means. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, okay. Let's stop kvetching about the the dystopian present. Uh, Jason, what are some of your favorite movies? Oh man, that's a tough question. Hold on. Here, let me let the robot play you in on that deal. Oh, the, look, the robot went to sleep because we were just <laughs> we were just yammering away. We're not podcasting over here. Okay. I was thinking about this conversation today. I was trying to remember what the first movie I can remember seeing is. And like in the theater or, or overall? Ever? Just at all, yeah. Well, for me, it was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay, yeah. I definitely have early memories of Richard Dreyfus manipulating mashed potatoes. I think, like, we went to the drive-in to see that. E.T. I remember... Yeah, I remember E.T. It's going to be something stupid, though, that we're just... We want it to be E.T., you know? But it's like, <laughs> like, I, remember, I remember the movie Kid Co. You remember that? Where, like, kids start a corporation. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I can't remember... But, like, I can't remember... Like the toy. Remember the toy with the... Oh, the toy is a great movie. What 
I never saw the toy. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, my God. With Dabney you, Coleman and Richard Pryor? Do you remember what his father is doing? Like, what the main plot ends up being? His father is, like, having, like, a clan rally or something. Wh- and, like, what? Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that, too, and late, until later when I was an adult. So I was talking about it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Huh. Well, you saying the toy reminds me of Brewster's Millions. Do you remember Brewster's yeah, Millions? I, I, I didn't see that as a kid because I don't think that had like. Although I remember people talking about it at school, so it did have some appeal to kids. Dragon Slayer. Dragon no. Slayer. No, it's me, Matthew. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing that one in the theater when I was a kid. I definitely remember seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think I saw Raiders of the Lark once with Raiders of the Lost Ark once with my dad, and then I saw it again with my grandmother. Because every saw, everybody I felt like they. I saw ET in the theater with like big extended family and family friends, and somebody like went to sleep like almost immediately and woke up and <laughs> saw ET and started screaming. <laughs> 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 that is hilarious. Yeah, she started like screaming at the devil. It was like something along those lines, like at the demon or the devil. Or... Terrifying. My, I guess my, in that context, it would be, you know, like. My memory with ET is that I got uh, popcorn. I was with my grandmother, Mimi, my dad's mom, and I got a like a big popcorn and. I remember getting to the bottom of it and there was like a quarter inch of that butter <laughs> stuff at the bottom. It was like so saturated in oh. that fake butter flavor. And I remember being very sick. I remember <laughs> feeling like E.T. You know, when E.T. gets sick and he's like pale white. And he's like, <laughs> I remember I was felt like that. We got home after the film and I felt so ill. Too many Reese's pieces. I remember about that. Um, Wait, wait. We didn't give Jason a chance to answer. What's your favorite film? Yeah, I was kind of killing some time so you had some. Oh, oh, I know, man. You're gonna have to narrow it down to something like Jacques. Because last time I really thought about it was when I was young, and then I look back at like when I was like, I look at movies. I was like, oh, I love like Reservoir Dogs and Fight Club and uh, Apocalypse Now and. some of those, which I still like all those movies, but it's just kind of like, I was like, wow, there's like no women in any of these movies. Yeah. Like, like, and, uh, you know, Goodfellas and, you know. I think in high school, I probably would have told you Apocalypse Now was my favorite. Yeah, yeah, I still really hold that in high regard. Actually, I don't know if that's true. That's a really good film. My favorite movie has pretty much been Moonstruck ever since 1988. Oh, God. Um... And that's also, Jason, do you have any movies that, like, did you have, when you were growing up, were there, like, three movies that you had at your house on well, video? I remember stuff that we watched a lot as kids and we played out, you know, like, Aliens was definitely one of them. Oh, oh. nice. You know? And that's, because I just rewatched it maybe a couple of years ago, too. And it's still a good movie, but it's just, like, we just, you know, you just 
just like the, the gums are really cool, you know, and there's just like stuff there that you can kind of act at with your friends too. That was like a criteria that <laughs> we don't have as much now, you know, as adults, but you're like, how, you know, replayable is this? Because there were three, three movies for me that my grandparents had on Betamax. So I ended up watching those over and over again over the years. And they were Holy Grail, Young Frankenstein, and, oh, wow. and A Night at the Opera, Marx Brothers. Oh. So those three movies had a big effect on me, like my humor, you know, and my, uh, you know, very positive, I think. It's, uh, but, like, you know, there was only a, there was only maybe seven video cassettes in my grandfather's collection, and, like, four of them were airplane documentaries, and then those three movies. So I watched those three movies a lot. Uh, and then growing up, we had we had Moonstruck, we had L.A. Story, we had Captain Ron, and we had oh, oh the first the first two Batman movies. So those five movies in high school we watched a lot just because yeah I had the Batman VHS also. You know it's funny you just mentioned L.A. Story because I was just I just watched the movie Threads. You know about this movie? This was like a movie from England in like the mid '80s about like what happened after like an apocalyptic war, like the a, a bomb, uh, like world war breaks out and the bomb lands in Sheffington, England, Sheffield, England. I don't know. When, and it just kind of follows there, and it just gets more and more and more and more depraved. And like, uh, wait, that, like, wait, wait, what's you it called? It's called bread. Like what you make a sandwich out of? No, threads like what you sew. Oh, I see threads. Okay. H R E A D S. Interesting. Oh, that sounds yeah, good. That, come up, that comes up a lot. It's like one of the most depressing movies ever made. Well, is that <laughs> is, is that analogous to the American uh, the day after? No. Uh, which oh, is which is a pretty... which is a post apocalyptic movie with John Lithgow and and. Uh, um, who's the guy from Short Circuit? But day after isn't long term survival, right? It's just kind of it really is pretty much just the day after and what happens. Uh, uh-huh. Does it go into like? No, it doesn't. You're right. It five years later, no, no, it's, right? It's, right. Yeah, this this movie keeps going and it it just gets dark because it's trying to realistically kind of guess what would happen, and it gets uh-huh. darker and darker and darker. Like when the, when the baby shows up, you're thinking like. Okay, somebody's gonna eat the baby now. That's, that's pretty much what this movie is. Because like it just doesn't stop, and then like you know they're trading rats for food, and so anyway, I looked up what this guy did later on. This director, and like he did L.A. Story. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the rom com with uh, Steve Martin and Sarah Jessica Parker and the. Uh... You guys were talking about. I was thinking that of L.A. Confidential, no, right. different movie. L.A. L- yeah. L- LA story. L.A. story where he goes. Uh, I'll have a double half calf decaf with a twist. Yeah. Oh, I'll have a twist. I'll have, I'll have a half calf decaf. Uh, or when they he and Sarah Jessica Parker go to get colonics, and afterwards she's like, "That's great, isn't it? It really clears out your head." And he says. Your head, I think they did it wrong. <laughs> well, you mentioned Steve Martin. Uh, uh, 
those movies that are analogous to me would be uh, The Three Amigos. Oh, sure. Yeah. I watched that movie like a million times. And um, another one was The Jerk, Steve Martin. And then, and then another one because of HBO. We had the early HBO. Uh, I probably saw the film Teen Wolf like <laughs> seventeen times. I definitely honestly, did too, yeah. It's embarrassing. We didn't have often. We didn't have a TV at my house, but but summer times I would go to my grandparents and they had cable, and I watched a lot of HBO stuff. And then we, we went seen to the movie Coal Miner's Daughter more than any <laughs> young man that, should should really. Hilarious. That's hilarious. There were those certain movies that were played a lot on HBO. Like the movie Ice Pirates. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember Ice Pirates. That's a good movie, right? Uh, <laughs> I remember my... I remember my grandfather and I watched Life Force, which was about alien oh, yeah. vampires. And that was, really, that was really exciting for me because the main female... Alien vampires just naked the whole movie. Yeah. So, so it's like John, it's like John Carpenter or Toby Hooper or like one of them directed, but everyone's kind of involved. Like there's a lot of. Oh yeah, it's funny because when you look at the credits, it's like in the early '80s, right? And you look at the credits and like you see Patrick Stewart's in it. Oh. And you kind of think like, oh cool, I'm gonna get to see a young Patrick Stewart. You know, like I wonder what he looked like. And then when he shows up, he looks exactly the same. Like, he's, he's literally, he's the same head. He has everything about him. is exactly the same. Does that speak to his um, quality of aging, or does that just mean he was like a geezer-looking young man? I know. I think he just found a look, you know, and he just <laughs> stuck with it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Matthew, have you watched Three Amigos in your adult life? I, I don't know. <laughs> I would have it. I would recommend that you not. Is that right? I watch. I feel like I tried to watch it about well, about twenty years ago now. But oh, God, when I was a kid, I I thought that was yeah. Like I loved that movie. I remember, and I was just sitting there. I was like, "What on earth did I find so funny about this movie?" <laughs> okay, like it's just well. Fortunately, <laughs> there's so much content that I don't need to be mining the depths of the past for movies. I I've talked to Schaefer about this. Jason, I, I haven't, there's so many movies that have passed me by in the last decade because I've been raising kids and I've been watching kids movies. It's not that I haven't been watching movies. It's that I've seen every kid movie, you know, and, uh, yeah, I got some blind spots there. Okay. But there's a few a movies out there. Movie. There's still a few movies out there where I'm like, one of them is the Revenant. Oh, that's is, a good one. Jason, is that a good movie? The regiment, the the revenant. It's with uh, oh, the, the, Di- the revenant Di- with uh, DiCaprio and uh, T- uh, Tom Holland okay. in that. Well, well, I'll say it is like one of if not the most beautiful movie I've ever seen. Okay, yeah, we'll see. So, that's like, worth watching. So, so there's a one of these theaters does it does like a thing where the night before the Oscars they will play all of the nominees for best picture. So I I've been to two of these like big marathon things where you go and you're at the theater for like. 20 hours or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I just, but it's, so, the revenue what's, was on one of them. What, like, what's the price point on the ticket for that? I mean, it's discounted for the number of movies you're watching. <laughs> okay, but, okay. Yeah. It's still like 50 bucks? It's 150 yeah, bucks? Uh, probably, 
well, you want to see like what six or seven movies for. Yeah, I feel like it was. I don't know. I'm that's like a that's like a hundred and eighty bucks now. Yeah, and it was definitely under a hundred for what it. It was probably like six. Okay. Or okay. Something. Okay. I'm sorry. Go on. Yeah, it, it worked out for me the first year too because it was the theater right next to where I worked in Times Square. So like when you had a break, I could actually like go to my office and like change clothes <laughs> and like, so, like I came back and everyone. Look terrible, and I was just like, like, you know, like, freshened up. You were refreshed. Yeah, new socks change everything. It gives you all the energy you need. Also, I knew everywhere to eat because you know I've been working there for a year, and like I knew where I didn't have to wait in line. And, but, uh, but yeah, when I went the next year, then like we were talking about the revenue. And I was just like, oh, you know, I fell asleep during something. And I was like, yeah, every, everyone like around me in line was just saying, like, yeah, everyone fell asleep during the red. There's just like. Okay. It is. There's, there's a like parts of, long yeah, parts of that movie that don't have any dialogue. Super, super, like, kind of a simplistic storyline. I see. Everyone's kind of acting. Um, I don't know. How much, how much do you believe Leonardo DiCaprio as, like, the father of, like, a teenage or slightly older boy? You know? Okay, I think you guys have saved me the hassle of watching The Revenant right now. <laughs> I, I thought it was incredible. I read the book first and then watched the movie. Okay. So I thought it was it's it's an incredible okay. a visual, that, that visually was, stunning. That was just an example of many, many, many best movie nominated movies that I have not seen. I could go on and on. Yeah, I, th- I think it's worth watching because you've never seen anything like it. Like it is also, it's, it's, so, it's, it's just so beautiful, you know, like, okay. but, just the scene with the bear and everything. Like, yeah, just, Leonardo so DiCaprio stuff. is just a really good actor because he, yeah, he, he uh, realistically sells you on a big bear fight, you know, that's yeah. like, you know, you know, the movie, The New World. Is that a, cri- like a, a Christopher, Col- a Christopher Columbus movie? movie with, uh, I think Colin Farrell and Christian Bale. It's, it's kind of like the story of Pocahontas and John Smith, like oh, uh-huh. taking like that that fictional story, just kind of playing out realistic, but not really like it's not super story oriented. Like Terrence Malick will just kind of like drift off with the camera and just have voiceover for a long time. You know? uh, I, I like but, I like Terrence Malick movies. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, have you seen the New World? No, I haven't seen the New World. Yeah, so the New World is 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 one of my favorites. I think just because it shows you like how like this kind of land, this you know, this kind of was paradise. You know, they came here and it was like just had unbelievable things to give. You know, and, like if you took care of the land, land times take care of you. You know, and like but like you know the the English that come over. You know, you know they want to have property. They want to set up their systems. They want to do things you know a certain way and like. You see that conflict and everything, but it's most of the time it's just that kind of looking out, you know, beautiful nature is and just people's thoughts, you know. Yeah, we weren't we weren't very good stewards of all that, were we? Holy shit! <laughs> I really want to see this movie now. Yeah, I love those. Yeah, so yeah, so Colin Farrell is is John Smith, and then Christian Bale is John, the other John. What's, what's his name? The guy who ended up marrying Pocahontas. John Ralph, is that his name? I, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, but they, they never call her Pocahontas. Like, she doesn't have... People don't get really named, but you get that's where the story's kind of coming from. Colin Farrell, I've always kind of loved Colin Farrell, but uh, Banshees of Inishirin, like, 
took took my love to another level. No, he well he changed. He like disappeared for a while after making blockbusters. He came back, and they're all like amazing. Like I, I like Lobster a lot. Have you seen Lobster? Yeah, that was good. Yeah. That's a really, really straight. Like he's really going out there. But even just stuff when he shows up in small roles, like he just is trying to act again now, you know. And he's like really good at it. Yeah. And uh, there's a bunch of other smaller movies that I'm thinking that he's he's been doing that. You saw Banshees, right? Yeah, Banshees is incredible. And just there's scenes where somebody says something, and you just have to take like a minute to react, you know, like because you know he says kind of some hurtful things to him. And Colin Farrell just kind of have to have that, like, that realization, and then the reaction, and then, like, start to say something, and then cut his words, you know? Like, it's incredible, you know? The amount of both laughing and crying that I did in that movie was astounding. Like, there's not too many movies that make you do both of those things, and to have both of those things happen that much was really... Have you seen this, Matthew? No. Uh, no, name a movie in the last 10 years. I haven't seen it. <laughs> you have seen... What movie did we see together? Well, I was just thinking about... There's the new Mission Impossible coming out. Oh, and yeah, the last a- Mission Impossible Schaefer and I went to together. And Schaefer slept through a good portion of that movie. But, it, <laughs> but I mean, lucky, like lucky for Schaefer. It was like a 30-minute helicopter chase. It was a terrible movie. And, uh, oh, that's weird you say that. Because I... Like, people went crazy, like, how Six was, like, a total classic. And I kind of was, like, kind of cool on it. And I was kind how of the what that. was a total classic? The, the Six, yeah, the last Mission Impossible, the one with, like, is it Henry Cavill? Like, oh, the mustache, geez. and they're jumping out of the... Well, they all jump out of the plane. It's like where he crashes, a, where he's actually flying a helicopter at the end? Yeah. Yeah, no, that was terrible. I thought the, the good one was four, but like the Kremlin and the and he climbs the with the, what's it called the yes Burj Al Khalifa. Yes, yeah. that was the better there, one. There, there's right. there's a number of those films that are pretty good, and that last one wasn't. And I don't expect that the current one will be. But I don't know. I think maybe the the current one maybe that can be a return to form if but, they do but, it. Right? Well, the, but the, sure. current one is, the current one is part one, so be warned. Yeah. Everything now is a cliffhanger too. Like, yeah, I hear people are complaining about the the Spider Man Spider Verse thing, where it just says like to be continued at the yeah, end. Yeah. People didn't know it going in. Yeah, Speaking of returns to form, another movie you and I saw together that I was hoping would be a return to form was the most recent Men in Black. Oh God! And it, we, was, we, it wasn't the return to form that I hoped it would be. We only go to the worst movies. To <laughs> you, 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 you look at the. You look at the bill and you go and you see all the good films and then there's some <laughs> dregs left over and then you call me and you're like, hey, you want to go see a movie? And then there's this one. We also saw the uh, well, last Star, Star Wars, Wars yeah. the, the, the yeah. Rise of Skywalker, that was so whatever, annoying. which was terrible. <laughs> well, my expectation was so low that I could just... <laughs> Yeah. I can just kind of sit back and think like, okay, you know, <laughs> okay, you know? yeah, exactly. Wow. That's exactly what I did, Jason. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is, there's no reason for so many of these to exist. You know, like it's just I'm doing the next episode or something with no real idea. You come with up with the idea later, right? Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, certainly not the ending. Suffer. You certainly have no idea what the ending is going to be. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times they film these and then they make the movie in editing, 
you know like yeah right it's funny when you see like i think about like star wars rogue one where like you know like, oh that's one where they did a great anybody. job but yeah but but that one like the first trailers that came out like none of that footage is in the movie mm-hmm. they just they just went back and got a new another director and made a new movie with what they had you know <laughs> and we filmed a bunch of stuff and it's like well let's just completely make a different movie God. Okay. You guys are, this is bumming me out right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what you should take away that it's just, there's so much good stuff that, uh, is in the past, you know, like, like a lot of stuff that you might've looked down or people look down upon, we're like talking about now, like reevaluating them, how they're, they're not so bad, you know, hmm. you go back and watch showgirls. You know? like, I hope that's what people do. <laughs> I hope that's what people do with this podcast. What's the name of that movie streamer again, Jason? Movie? M-U-B-I? M-U-B-I. Okay, I'm going to look into that. Well, Jason, I really uh, have... I'm enjoying talking to you, and I really like your accent, and um, you do seem like a very knowledgeable movie. Is it possible that you could become like... um, a correspondent for the show like when we when we delve into a movie situation we could just quickly get you on and get your opinion of that i mean if you give me a, you know a task i'm good at you know i'm good at i'm good at you know following the, the guidelines you know I need to have <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm glad you are we'll uh, send some guidelines <laughs> sure sure you guys, you guys are completely free form and uh you know your correspondents need to be a little bit you know Oh, I have an avocado rating, guys. Okay. I was knackered the other night and just, you know, wanted something to watch for a little bit while I ate my soup before I went to bed. And so didn't... Sounds like you live in, like, a a tenement. Yeah. I didn't have... (laughs) So I didn't have time to, like, go through and find just the right movie. So one that just popped up pretty quickly on Amazon Prime was The Adventures of Tintin, Mm. which I had never seen, but I was like, oh, this is... Steven Spielberg directed that one. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was really not a bad movie at all. I feel like I had heard some bad things about it when it came out, but uh, quite a fun little a fun little adventure. Um, so I'd give it uh, six, six avocados, maybe, out of eight. Okay, okay. Six out of eight. Yeah. What kind of super? No, actually, you know, that, that reminds me, uh, Matthew, if you're looking for something to watch with kids, have you seen Over the Garden Wall? No. Do you know what that is? No. I think it was on, like, it was sort of like this animated mini-series. Uh, I mean, it, it gets, it, depending on the age you're dealing with, it could get kind of darkish, but uh, it, it's a really good kind of kids-themed show. Over the Garden Wall. Yeah, it was kind of like this, uh, was, there's like a lot of, it's like starring Elijah Wood is like the main voice, and there's a lot of people you write, like Christopher Lloyd is one of the voices. And cool. Love him. Yeah, there's a lot of people you write it's nice. You know, I have to, I do with you know they, they just kind of wake up in this mystery land, and uh, him and his little brother, and uh, you know they they counter like things that seem like monsters things, but then you kind of like you know find out the truth about different things. You know things that seem scary and not so scary, things that aren't scary and that being scary. You know, and it's, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a good watch. With uh, okay, I will check that out. Thank you for the recommendation. Um, we are, we're changing our sign off. Did you know this, Jason? Well, no. Probably not because 
we the first time we did it was in the last episode and we haven't actually published oh that yeah yet. we haven't <laughs> we're, we're 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 recording episode 174 but you haven't heard 173 because i just got it edited today so you're here to you, you're gonna well let, let let's let me say it to you before we actually sign off and let's uh see what you think about this so we used to say wait do you know what our old sign off was it was the uh the, the something the choices is weird. Oh man, that's the best anybody has ever done. That I asking that question. Now we're gonna go with, but no more of this blubbering. Now we are we, going a whaling. We are going what? A whaling. <laughs> it's from Moby so Dick. I don't, I don't okay. think I don't know if we can do this because what they were doing in this book is just wholesale killing of whales. I don't know if we can reference that at the end of every show, right? Oh, maybe not. I don't okay, know. We'll, we'll try it tonight. Anyway. Wait, what is it? We go a whaling? No more of this blubbering now. We are going a whaling. We're going a whaling? Okay. <laughs> this is going to be the time in the show when people are like, remember when they tried to change the outro? <laughs> and we were like, yeah, it was. Did it you was... put up a poll or something for people to vote on? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, we're not. If we're you not have doing... strong feelings, get at us. We're clearly not doing any polling. <laughs> uh,. Yeah, saying it now, having a third person with us saying that all out to a third person that's doesn't sound as good. For I'm some glad reason. we uh, we were able to s- soundboard this with Jason. <laughs> Jeez. All right, do, Jason. It was so good meeting you and talking to you. Are you, gonna, are you going to go in that episode? Do you go through the thought process that led you to this? Because that would be pretty fascinating. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit. I don't okay. know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're if you if you need any further clarification, you know how, you know how like the, the U.S. will enter a war somewhere, and then you're like, I wonder if like, what made them think this was a good idea. Is I was I was the voice who that was too weak to stand up to the the voices with the bad idea. I'm I'm the bad idea voice. <laughs> and you are you are Rumsfeld, is that? Yes. He's Rummy. I'm I'm G Dub. If there's something to, <laughs> if there's something to do with whaling on the cast, it's probably my fault. All right. Thanks so much, Jason. Yeah, thank you. I love. We have to do this. You've been you've been talking about me so much now. It's starting to get weird. You know, like I feel people. He's a real character. Yeah. Guess. Like, is this a real person? Is this, you know? <laughs> he does exist. I know. Are they doing a bit? Is there, uh, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, and you're definitely welcome back on anytime. Well, we're gonna we're gonna reach out to him when we've got yeah, if we got we've some, got movie quandaries. We got some movie stuff. We'll try to just ring you up. And, you and, well, and and anytime we're talking about New York suburbs, yeah, talking about. <laughs> And when we want to, entitlement of the New York Police Department. When we want to commiserate about uh, Champana Urbane. <laughs> I didn't listen. I didn't know I was in Copland, you know. So. I'm <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here we go. But no more of this blubbering now. We are going a whaling. Oh boy.
automatic harvest that I've sown Won't take the time to put detergent to my uniform I'm just lazy, not defiant, I hope you know I never take any of their advantage Never scam more than I should have Never covered more predicaments than I've shown So keep your rhetoric short it's just a credo I can't condone It's tragic, nostalgic There's a better way 